I need to just ask, the Lord has just highlighted to you, and I need to just ask the sweet lady in the black sweater, tell me your name, darling. What is it? Ruth, what a strong name that is, huh? Ruth, I, I, during worship, the Lord just highlighted you, and, and I asked him, Lord, what do you want me to say to her? And I heard the scripture that weeping endureth for a moment, um, but, but joy cometh in the morning. And I just want you to know that joy is coming your way. I just sense that there's something that you've been battling most of your life, I heard the Lord say. That, 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 that you feel like nobody sees, but he wants you to know that he sees you. He sees you. And, and, and there's something that you're struggling with in your life that, I, that, I, that he didn't tell me what it was, but there's a struggle that you have that you keep even hidden from him. And that he wants you to know that if you acknowledge him, if you, if you lean on and rely on him in all your ways, he is going to bring you healing in that area, and that he's going to set you free like you've never been set free before. He wants you free, Ruth. He, he wants you free. It's for freedom that you've been set free. And, and you're going to begin to walk in that in even mightier, even more powerful way. But, but I keep hearing that, that verse, that weeping endureth for a moment, but joy cometh in the morning. I really sense there's joy coming your way, darling. He loves you. He loves you. So be blessed. If you have your Bibles tonight, you can open them to e Ephesians uh, chapter uh, 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to finish our um, spiritual warfare series tonight. Not sure where we're going from here, uh, but I do know that, that we need to be finished with this. I, I sense it in the spirit that we're done with this. And, um, but I, I will tell you that I started this week. I, I want to just briefly look at this verse in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verses Eight, uh, verses 18 and um, just look at 18 praying always with all power and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and and I was going I had every intention to come here because it, we, we've covered every uh, piece of the armor and some commentators believe that there's one piece that Paul didn't elaborate on, but that is still a piece of the armor, and that would be this verse that I just read you tonight. And so uh, I, I really began working after Monday of last week. I started working on that one verse, and, and I had intended to teach uh, on prayer being uh, another piece of the armor. I believe it is. A, a Roman soldier in Paul's time would have also had a spear. Commentators believe that even though Paul uh, was, was, was probably uh, looking at a Roman soldier that was assigned to him when he wrote this passage, that that Roman soldier, because he wasn't at war, would not have had the spear with him. But most commentators say that the spear is prayer. It's a piece of armor. Uh, the spear, unlike the sword that we talked about last week, the sword was for up-close and personal battle with the enemy. Uh, but, but that the spear was far off and distant. They would throw their spear like we would throw a missile. Uh, it, it was a, um, a long-range missile. So a spear worked in that same way where they would throw it and, and it would work in a distance. And, and I had intended to talk to you about prayer and how the sword of the spirit works that same way in prayer, that we can, we can launch long-range long, long missile attacks with prayer. It's not just up close and personal with the enemy. We can keep things at bay through prayer. So I worked on that all week long, and I had intended to teach it, and maybe, I don't know, 
Thursday of this week, the Lord said, I don't want you to teach that. And I'm like, Lord, <laughs> what, what would you like me to teach? And I really felt like he wanted me to return to uh, talking to you about taking every thought captive and renewing the mind. And I'm like, Lord, I teach on that almost every week. I have gone over it and over it and over it, and I can't return to that because I've already said this stuff to people. I teach on it all the time. I don't want to bore people, and, and they've, they've already gotten that. And he said, Rhea, have you gotten it? You teach it. And have you, have you mastered this thing? And if you haven't mastered it and you teach it, I want you to reiterate it. I want you to talk about it again tonight. And so I'm hesitant. Even a half hour before I came, I shut my computer. I didn't print out my, my message for tonight because I was so sure that the Lord said, you're not going to teach that message. And I still don't believe I'm going to. I, I think I'm going to keep it here. I think I'm going to teach bits and pieces. But I, I, I said to the team tonight, I'm very uncomfortable because I like to have notes. I may never look at them, but I like to have them. And any time he asks me to do this, I'm, I'm very uncomfortable. So please, I just want you to know if something is not clear that I say tonight, have me elaborate. Go back at the end of the message and tell me this wasn't clear. Can you talk about this some more? Because without my notes, I, I worry that I'm not as effective as I could be with my notes. But we're going to just go with the Lord because I trust you, Lord. But I was thinking this week about a trip that Leslie and I took. Uh, there was a time I, before I, I took this position on, on staff at Grace Church, I was traveling just about every weekend across the United States doing conferences. And Leslie would go with me to these conferences. And, and, and we, we would always have a little mini concert in the car on the way to the event where we would turn praise and worship music up loud. We would pray. We would belt out praise like we were, con you know, we were just... We had it all together. We would belt it at the top of our lungs. We'd turn the music up so loud that the, the windows would vibrate. And, and, and just, we loved it. And that's what we would do weekend after weekend after weekend. And I can't sing a note on, on, on key, but Leslie is my friend, and she just overlooks it. But, uh, but that's what we would do. And we were in Alabama, I think. Um, and my daughter actually was in from... Uh, Georgia, she drove to Alabama from Georgia, and she was following us <laughs> in her car, and we had a rental car, and it was an SUV, and it had a sunroof, and, and we had Steve Swanson, I don't know if you know Steve Swanson, but he has this song called Changing the Atmosphere, and Leslie and I love it, and we have all the words memorized, and, and we had Changing the Atmosphere at top volume, and the, the windows were like shaking, and I had both hands up in the air, and I'm looking at the sunroof saying, I wonder if I could open that so I could extend my arms a little bit long, higher. And Leslie has one hand on the steering wheel, and the other one is up in the air. And we are literally belting out, changing the atmosphere on, this way to, on the way to this conference. <laughs> and we are completely changing the atmosphere, so much so that we lost track of the GPS. We lost track of time. And apparently, we lost track of the speedometer. <laughs> because in between one of the stanzas and the chorus, when I'm still seriously giving thought to opening the sunroof so I can extend my arms even higher, and we are belting at the top of our lungs this song, radio, or the, 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 the radio's as loud as it could, the volume's as loud as it could possibly get. I happen to look over <laughs> and see a policeman 
on Leslie's side of, of the car, sirens blaring, but we couldn't hear it because we had a concert going on in the car. Lights flashing. And my daughter in the rearview mirror pointing at the cop alongside of us. I wish I was lying, I'm not. And we were going super fast because <laughs> we were changing the atmosphere. <laughs> and so we get pulled over and Leslie tells him I'm a preacher <laughs> and we invites him to come to this conference. And he says, ma'am, I'm still going to have to give you a ticket because you were driving at a very high rate of speed. But lucky for you, it's click it weekend, and we're just going to give you a seatbelt ticket. We had our seatbelts on. But in my humiliation, because I know he's driving right beside us, and he has seen our hands in the air and has probably heard us just belting out this song in the car. Sorry, Leslie, only you and I can appreciate this, but <laughs> this policeman <laughs> comes to the door, and I look over at him, and I'm just astonished <laughs> because he's this scrawny little guy. <laughs> that Leslie and I could have knocked over with our little finger. <laughs> and I'm like, really? You wanted to be a policeman all your life? <laughs> I'm just wondering what the bully is in the, the criminals, you know. Not people who are having a Steve Swanson concert, but the criminals, really. Are they afraid of you? Because I got two policemen in my family, and they're big boys. <laughs> but you're not. And I'm just wondering but it ever possess you to want to be a cop? I'm thinking all this in my head as he's being so gracious and thinking about coming to the conference with us. <laughs> and then I saw it. I saw his enforcer on the side of his hip. Because I'm thinking, how do you stop mean guys when you're so squanny? And then I saw the badge on his chest, and clearly as he's passing us by, waving us over to the side of the road, I couldn't miss the emblem on his car. Um, but the enforcer on his hip is what got me. Because it didn't matter how big a bully was or how mean a criminal could be, he had an enforcer that said, I'm authorized by the state of Alabama and the President of the United States to walk in authority, and you need to do as I say. This week, as I began to think about last week and the things that I said, I, I, I constantly, when I walk away, say to the Lord, was I clear enough? Did I say everything you wanted me to say? Did I make it as clear as you wanted me to, to make it? And, and I was aware last week that we talked about the enforcer that we have by our side the sword of the spirit, that we can say to the enemy, <laughs> I might look squanny, I might look non-threatening to you, but I got the force of heaven behind me, and you have to do what I tell you to do. You have to obey me. I don't care how big and mean you look. I have the enforcer with me, the sword of the spirit. 
and I worried that maybe I didn't make it as clear as I should have made it to you. I, I talked about how we need to wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and, and we need to wield it here on earth and the battles that we face and, and, and how it reaches into the heavenly, it pierces the heavenlies, and it does battle there so that we can see the manifest presence of that battle being won here on earth. And I know we talked about that at length last week, but I don't think I covered as much how we can use that same enforcer, that same sword of the Spirit, to enforce our thinking. The Bible says that where the man goes, the, where the mind goes, the man will follow. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks, that word thinks means to estimate. It means to put value on. It means to be a gatekeeper. That, that means whatever I think and put value on and estimate is worthy of my praise, <laughs> is, is valuable to me, so am I. It means to be a gatekeeper. You and I are responsible to be a gatekeeper to our mind. Just because a thought is coming through your mind doesn't make it truth doesn't make it yours. We have the responsibility to be an enforcer, to take the authority that we've been given with the Word of God and to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and make it measure up and come into obedience to the Word of God. We can enforce that. We have the authority to do that. Let's look at a couple verses, uh, verses that we have looked at throughout this study, but I just want to make sure that, that we are all on the same page and that we have a clear understanding uh, of uh, these passages. So turn over to Philippians, just one book over, Philippians chapter 4. Look at verse 6, a, a verse that, that you all, I'm sure, have memorized. But be anxious for nothing. Actually, does somebody have the NIV? Because I wasn't prepared for this tonight, I didn't bring my NIV. May I use it? Oh, Karen, you've got that little itty-bitty Bible. And I don't think I have magnifying glasses big enough. Oh, goodness, Lord. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious about anything. That word anxious means to be careful. Don't be full of cares about anything. You don't have the one thing that, that is an exception here. I, I want to just find the definition for that, um, that word anxious because I, I actually thought it meant anxiety. Don't have anxiety about anything. But it doesn't. That word itself does not mean anxiety. It comes from the root word meaning anxiety. So that's why people, uh, people uh, translate it that way. But it actually means, uh, the word anx uh, anxious means to have distracting cares, to have a care for, to, to, um, to uh, let me just find, to be full of cares about. But like I said, it means to be careful. <laughs> be careful about nothing. Be full of cares about nothing. And that word nothing means nobody, no one, nothing. It means not even one man. Don't be anxious about one person, not one woman. Don't be anxious about one thing. Don't be anxious 
for anything. Don't have a distracting thought about anything. It's interesting to me that this uh, verse is in the imperative. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. That means when we have anxious, distracting thoughts, it's a sin. If this is a command and we're not doing it, to not do it makes it a sin. And that should get our attention. Dwight Pentecost says, worry is just as much a sin as adultery or murder or theft. Yet how often we as believers treat it lightly when we find our stomachs tied in knots because we have worried ourselves into a nervous frenzy. We don't realize that we have fallen into sin. It's not just a command, it's in the present tense. It means it should be our continuous, ongoing habit not to worry or be anxious about anything, not to have a distracting thought about anything. It's interesting that this passage comes right after the verse that says, uh, let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. You see, that's how we can choose to not have a distracting thought. It's how we can choose to not be anxious about anything is the understanding that the Lord is near. Do you know that he's near? One of my favorite scriptures is that he is close to or near to the brokenhearted. I love that. Do you know that the Lord is near? And that's why we don't have to be anxious. That God who was far away came close. He's Emmanuel, God who's with us perfecting everything that concerns us. He's with us like a mighty warrior. That's one of my favorite scriptures. He's, he's with us like a mighty warrior. That's why 1 Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourself therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety onto him because he cares for you. The, the NLT says, give all your worries and your cares to God, for he cares about you. The Amplified says, I love this, it says, therefore humble yourself, demote, lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God that in due time he may exalt you, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. You see, that's how we can choose to not be anxious about anything. We can say, Lord, I, I, I'm not letting this thing take up real estate in my mind. I'm going to choose to cast this care onto you. And, and, and that is wielding the, the, the sword of the Spirit. Your word says that I don't have to be anxious about this. But in everything, through prayer, petition, and with thanksgiving, present my request to you. And you have promised, Lord, that you will in turn guard my heart and my mind with peace that passes all understanding. Where does anxiety usually hit? In your mind, in your thinking process. And he says, if you choose to not be anxious about this thing, if you choose to not let it distract your thinking and get you focused on it instead of the good things, I will in turn guard your heart and your mind with peace that passes all understanding. That's radical, ridiculous peace. It's peace that doesn't even make sense. I shouldn't have this peace, but I have it. Lord, this is a promise of yours that I don't need to be anxious about this thing. I'm wielding the spirit, uh, the sword of the spirit, and I'm cutting through that anxiety, and I'm going to say, self, you do not need to be anxious about this. 
You can present it to God, and he has promised that he's going to guard your heart and your mind with peace that passes all understanding. I thank you, Lord, for peace that passes all understanding. That's guarding my heart right now. That word guard means to garrison. It means a military garrison of, sol of peace soldiers. He's putting peace soldiers around your heart, around your mind. When you're laying awake in bed at night and you're being tormented and harassed by the devil, when he's bringing distracting thoughts, when he's bringing anxious thoughts, trying to torment and harass you. You need to get the sword of the spirit out. You need to enforce. You need to get the enforcer out and you need to say, no, I am not going to be anxious about this thing. I'm not going to be distracted by this thing. This thing is not going to rob me of sleep anymore. Lord, your word says that you'll send peace soldiers to guard my heart and my mind. I need peace right now in Jesus' name. Do you see how it works? We got to use the enforcer. We got to use the enforcer. Look down as, as we continue in that passage. He says, Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And the things which you learned and received and heard from Saul in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Okay, here's another promise. If I, and this is another sword sharpener, this is another thing that's, that, that I can take that sword and I can enforce it in the spirit realm. When the enemy is coming with impure thoughts, what do I do? I go down this checklist. Is this pure? No, it should not have any place in my mind. It needs to be taken captive to the obedience of Christ. Let's go look at that scripture. Keep your finger in this one because we're going to come back to it. Flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses um, 4 through 6. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the, for the pulling down of strongholds casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of, of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Um, the King James says, uh, casting down imaginations. I, I really prefer that rather than argument. I like imagination because that word imagination, it means arguments, thoughts, reasonings. I, I, I don't know about you. I, I have a lot. I have a pretty vivid imagination. And, but, but it's the same thing that what the enemy did to Eve in the garden. He came to her after God spoke clearly to her and, and said, this is, this is my word to you, Eve. And the enemy came and he reasoned with her and he got her to doubt God's word. And, and you know where that led. He, he reasoned with her, trying to confuse her. And he does the same thing to us. He, he says, you don't really need to obey God's word. That doesn't really apply in this circumstance. God certainly, he loves you. He doesn't want you dealing with this. It's okay. He understands. He'll forgive you. And he begins to reason with you. Do you see? Casting down imaginations, casting down reasoning. I have a great imagination. In fact, when I was a little girl, I had an imaginary playmate. And she was as real to me as Masha sitting there. I, I'm just 
going to be honest with you, laugh at me if you want, but she was as real to me as, as any person sitting in this room. And her name was Jeannie. <laughs> and, and my parents had to set a place at the table for her. Uh, it, when we went in the car, my brothers would pretend they were sitting on her and I would scream. He, they'd pretend they pulled her hair and, and I, I, would, I would scream. And, and it, she was so real to me, but she was in my imagination. She, that I mean, when I go home to visit my family, they still reminisce about this. They still tease me about it. And, but she was so real to me. I, 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 when I was a little girl, I had a, a crush on a boy in my school named Bobby Dove. And, and I would put, Rhea loves Bobby Dove, Jeannie loves so-and-so. I mean, I, she was real to me. But it, she was in my imagination. Your imagination can play tricks on you. Do you, do you know that? Uh, you, imaginations have an uncanny ability to form things that do not actually exist or build on and intensify things that do. You're, the, the enemy likes to play on your imagination. He deposits a thought and then your imagination begins to build on that. It plays tricks on you and it intensifies that thought. That's why it's so important you need to get it at that level and cast that thing down. Bring that thing down. Because what it'll lead to is every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So now uh, the enemy comes and he whispers. And I, instead of casting that thing down and wielding my sword of the spirit and saying, nope, that is not what God's word says. It is not pure. It's not lovely. It's not admirable. It's not praiseworthy. It's not of good report. That thing is not taking up any real estate in my mind. And instead of doing that, I... Let that thought come in there. And it starts to embed. And my imagination starts to build it up. And now it's, it's setting itself up against the knowledge of the word of God. I can say, uh, you know, this is what the word of God says. And it'll say, ha, you don't have to obey that. And it becomes a high thing. It set itself up against the knowledge of God. I know God's word says this, but I'm immune to it. I don't have to obey it. God will certainly understand. He'll forgive me, and he will. But that thing now has set itself up against the knowledge of God. And God's word says it needs to be taken captive. And that word captive there, I, I like Rick Renner's uh, definition, so just give me a second to pull it up here because I don't... He says what's pictured is a soldier who has captured an enemy and now leads him into captivity with the point of a sharpened spear thrust into the flesh of his back. The enemy knows that if he tries to get away, the soldier will shove that spear into him and kill him. Therefore, he remains silent and submissive. You take it captive. You wield the sword of your spirit and you say, that thought that is coming through my mind is not, go back to, I told you to keep your finger in, in Philippians, go back to Philippians 4. That thought is not um, true. It's not noble. It's not just. It's not pure. It's not lovely. It's not of a good report. There's nothing praiseworthy in it, and I refuse to meditate. I refuse to chew on that thing any longer. I, I refuse to allow it to, to go back and forth in my mind any longer. I'm taking it captive to the obedience of Christ. I'm taking it by spear point, and I'm leading it off a cliff where it cannot torment and harass me anymore, and I'm replacing it with the truth of the Word of God. Do you see it? 
And, and sometimes, for the longest time, you can ask Dave, I, I drove with that list, pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy, in my car. Because here's the reality. The thought that comes through your mind might appear true to you. When, when the first time somebody told me I, I was worthless, I did not believe it as truth. But after it had been confirmed over and over and over in situations, I started to actually believe I was. So I could have said, yes, that's true. That's true. But is it praiseworthy? Is it lovely? If it's not, that thing needs to be taken captive. We are not lazy. We're not lazy, but yet we get lazy in this area, and then we wonder why we're miserable. We wonder why we're ineffective. We wonder why we have no peace. The God of peace will be with us if we think on whatsoever things are lovely, pure, admirable, praiseworthy. But some of you are sitting here, and you're meditating on something that is destructive. You're meditating on something that is impure. You're meditating on something that is uh, not lovely, what Susie down the street said about you, who cares what Susie down the <laughs> Dave, I said to him the other day, I said, Davey, what's so-and-so going to think about us? We need, to, we need to clear that up. And he said, Rhea, I don't care what anybody thinks about us. And I thought, I do. I do. But see, what we do is we give more weight to what somebody has said about us, what somebody has has. has what thinks about us, even though we know what's true, that's what David's saying, really, we know what's true, why do we care about what somebody thinks about us? And I lost sleep over what somebody was thinking about us. Not Dave, he was snoring away, because he had taken his mind captive. Because he knew what was true, and what I was thinking was not true. What so-and-so was said was not true. Do you see it? And yet, we are lazy Christians who, who God has provided a way He's provided everything we need for life and godliness in his word. And yet some of you can quote this scripture to me. This is a scripture most people know. And yet we're not applying it to our life. Don't be anxious about anything. Nothing. No thing. No man, no woman, no thing. Don't be anxious about it. Don't have a distracting care about it. But present that thing to, to God through prayer, petition, with thanksgiving. And guess what? Here's a promise. He's going to guard your heart and mind with peace that passes all understanding. But we have to take some responsibility. And we have to yield the, the, wield the weapons that we have available to us and, and at our fingertips. So don't be anxious about anything. The Bible says that we have to resist the devil and he will flee from us. We, we resist him with the word of God. We, we've got to take those things captive. We've got to cast them down. That's why it's so important that we renew our mind. The Bible says that we are, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. That word transformed, you've heard me use it a million times, is it's where we get our word metamorphosis. It's a picture of a caterpillar being changed into a butterfly. And the Bible says that when we don't conform to the patterns of this world, because who knows, this world has some patterns that they like us to follow. Everybody's doing this, everybody's having fun, and they're doing this, why can't I do this? Everybody says, this is the way to life, this will bring you life, why can't I do it? Because we don't conform to the patterns of this world. 
But we get transformed by the renewing of our mind, and we renew our mind with the Word of God. And, and so many of us, we can't even get our mind renewed, we'll never be transformed because we don't know the Word of, of God. Notice it's the sword of the what? Spirit. That means that the sword is only going to be effective when I am in uh, intimacy and connection with the Spirit. Do you see it? And, and, and so when I, when I start having a bad day, when, when something is concerning to me or worry, the first place I'll turn is the Word of God. I turn to the Word of God to hear a word from Him. I nurture that relationship with Him. I, I, I connect with Him because that brings peace to me. And, and so when I'm in relationship with the Spirit, my sword is sharp. And the sword of the Spirit is effective in relationship with him. And, and yet we, 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 do, we aren't storing up that word richly within us. We, we need to store it up. There are people that have ammunition stored up. I, I know people that have, <laughs> they shall rename, name, remain nameless. Who do we know that has, oh, I know who it is. <laughs> His wife doesn't even know how much ammunition he has stored up, but it's a friend of ours, and um, he's got a lot of ammunition stored up in his house. You're a good shot. You only need one piece of ammunition. I'm just telling you. You don't need all that ammunition. We have to store up our ammunition, and that's the word of God in us. We can't wield a sword that we don't have sharpened. And we need to be ready with that sword. A soldier, it's interesting, um, when we talked about the sword of the Spirit, I left out that the, the Roman soldiers practiced daily with their swords. One of the commentators I read said that they had to get so good with their sword that it was almost an extension of their arm, that, that it, they were so good with it. They were, they were able to just pull it so quickly. And I, I love Lord, it's just coming through my mind. But I, I love to go to the shooting range. Anybody like to shoot? I, I, I love to go to the shooting range. And Dave bought me this um, gun that is, if I'm stepping on somebody's toes, I'm sorry. I'm never going to shoot a person. I just enjoy, I enjoy hitting a target. <laughs> and, and, and so Dave got me this gun because he had this big one. And I, I'm pretty strong, but I, you have to do that. You got to, what do they call it? You have to rack it. You have to pull this thing back and a bullet drops in, right? And, and it's hard to do. It's really, really hard to pull that thing back. Where was I going with that? Oh, there you go. And, and so when I first went to the, the shooting range, I took lessons from an instructor there. And, and he, you know, he teaches you how to handle them. He teaches you how to, how to rack it. He, and, and so Dave got me one that isn't quite as hard to rack. And, and the safety, you don't have to pull the safety off, you just grab a hold and it automatically cancels it. It's pretty cool. But I would like my, you wear glasses, you wear earmuffs, and, and my glasses would get steamed up that I couldn't even see where I was shooting because I was so nervous about all these steps that you had to take to you know, put the magazine in. You had to, uh, it was just too much. But now, after some practice, you get to a point, you see my sons shoot, I'm telling you. Those boys, it's how quick you can, you can do all that. And you, you practice until it becomes part of you. 
Leslie was praying the other day. And as she was praying, I heard myself in her. She was quoting the scriptures that I pray all the time. She, was, she sounded like me when she was praying. And that's because she's had practice. She's sat under, uh, uh, under my praying. She's, she's prayed with me day in and day out. We, 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 we throw the word of God back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, and, and she's practiced and it comes naturally now to her. She doesn't have to say, let me Google that verse and find it. She, she, it it's coming naturally to her. That's what we have to aim for. We have to store up the word richly within us because we need that ammunition available. We need to be like that Roman soldier, that we need to be so comfortable with that sword of the spirit that we can wield it at any given moment because the Roman soldier knew that he could be called up to duty at any moment. He could be called out to battle at any moment, and that sword had had to be sharp and he had to be good and ready to wield it. Are you ready to wield it? Do you have that word stored richly within you? That is not to condemn you. It's not to make you feel shame. I'm telling you this to empower you to, so that you get equipped for the battle that's ahead of you. So much of the battles that we face in life could have been held off by those long-range missiles. Should it could have been held off in prayer well, when, you, when you could have been praying the word of God. It could have been stopped in its tracks by you taking the authority and, and no matter how squawny you feel like you are, being able to take that enforcer on your side and use it. Use the authority that you've been given by heaven to enforce it. Do you see it? Kendall was home for Thanksgiving last year and um, I had been doing some uh, uh, Black Friday shopping on my computer and then she came in and wanted to check her Facebook page and so she pulled her Facebook up on my computer and I was doing some more shopping and later I went on and I just started scanning down through her Facebook page and I noticed that everything, now remember I was doing some shopping for her on Good Friday and everything that I had been shopping for showed up on her Facebook page. And I'm like, how did that happen? And then later I was reading an article that I had pulled up uh, I think in Charisma Magazine and off to the side all of the pop-up ads were stores that I had been shopping at. And I was like, oh my goodness, they're tracking me. They're tracking the places that I, I have weaknesses for. They're, they're tracking the places that I'll, I'll shop from, that I'll buy from. And, and they're tracking me on this computer and they're bringing pop-up ads that will entice me and lure me in to buy more. And I thought, that's the enemy we have. Do you, do you understand that? That he is tracking you. You've heard me say a million times the scripture in Job where, where the enemy, God is in the throne room and the, and the angels are there and the enemy comes in and, and, and God says to him, Satan, where have you been? And he says, I've been roaming the earth. And this is my loose translation, looking for vulnerabilities and weaknesses. He's tracking you. And I promise you that he knows where your weaknesses are. And he knows where you'll buy, what you'll buy into. And he brings pop-up ads in your mind that, that play on those weaknesses because he's been tracking you. He does not waste his whispers. 
And when you have a whisper and you're not aware of it and you just receive that whisper as truth and you begin to meditate on that thing, I promise you, he will get you to buy into it. And before you know it, your imagination will amplify it. And it'll be a high thing that, accept, that exalts itself against the, the, the obedience of the word of God. And you'll be caught in a trap because that's who he is. And that's what he does. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. He wants to bring you down. He wants to render you ineffective. My son Tyler used to say, Mama, if he can't keep you out of hell, he's going to make you live like hell here on earth. But you have a choice. The power that you give to him, it's a choice. But you have an effective weapon. Be an enforcer. Pull that, uh, that uh, weapon. Use the authority that you have been given. The Bible says, I think it's in uh, Luke 10, 10, 17, 10, 19. I think it's Luke 10, 19. He, he says, all authority has been given to you to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. And nothing can harm you. Do you see that? That means when, when you start having those thoughts, you say, no, 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 no. All authority has been given to me to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all, not some, all the power of the enemy and nothing can harm me. That means when he comes and he brings sickness, you say, no, 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 all authority has been given to me. And I get to trample on this snake and scorpion. And, and, and I get to overcome all the power of the enemy. And this thing cannot harm me. That means when depression and despair come, you say, no, 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 I have authority. And I am I'm taking that authority and I'm enforcing it. And I'm going to say that, that I have been given authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. And nothing can harm me. Do you believe that? I don't care how squawny you feel in the spirit. It's like that police officer that pulled us over. We obeyed. We obeyed. And the enemy, when you resist him, he will flee. I want you to remember, just in closing, that Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness, you know the story where the devil came and he tempted him. He left. He was full of the spirit, the Bible says. But, but, but he, he had just been in a, in a place where he came up out of the water and the Spirit descended on him like a dove and the heavens opened up and, and God says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. I'm, I'm so pleased. And he immediately was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, the Word says. And the first thing the devil says is, if you are the Son of God, you want to say, wait a second, just a few minutes ago, did you not see the heavens open up? Did you not hear the thunder of God's voice say, I am his beloved son, and he is well pleased with me. And now you are coming, whisperer, and you're saying to me, if I am the son. Did you not hear that? But that's what he does to us. You're nothing. You're a loser. You're not forgiven. You've done too much. You'll never amount to anything. Nobody likes you. And we need to do 
what Jesus did and get the enforcer out. Jesus enforced it with the word of God. He didn't believe the imaginations. He didn't let that hit his imagination. He didn't, he didn't, um, uh, um, not rationalize is not the word. What's the, the word that, the, that I used? Um, imagination meant to reasoning. So I don't let him reason. Jesus didn't let him reason. Maybe I am not the son of God. Maybe, maybe I heard wrong. Maybe I imagined that the heavens opened up. Maybe that voice really wasn't God's. Maybe it was the devil's voice that said, he didn't let him reason with him. He pulled out the enforcer, the word of God, and he fought back with him. Here's what I saw this week that I, I, I never saw before. Maybe you guys are so much more spiritual than I am, but I never saw this. Do you see that nowhere does it say that the devil appeared to Jesus? It doesn't say that. Do you know what I think? You know the thought. I read a commentator. I, I don't know if my translation says he appears, but I read a commentator that said, nowhere did the devil appear to Jesus. It was a thought. I don't know. I might be able to argue it either way, but it sure is worth thinking about. Because why would he do to Jesus anything different than he does to you and I? But sometimes he uses people to appear to us. And he speaks through them to, to put in enough thought to reason and to, to breed an imagination, doesn't he? Anyway, so I promised you that I would close by making sure that there weren't any questions about this series. I know it's been a long series, and I appreciate you letting me just start all over again after having begun last year the same series. But um, I really felt an urgency to teach this. And so for some of you, you might be like, this is a little too much, this devil stuff. But it's real. We have a real enemy uh, of our soul, and we really do ourselves a disservice by pretending he doesn't exist. Uh, we don't go looking for a devil under every bush, but, uh, but to deny his reality would be foolish. So, any questions about the series? Yes. So, very good, Deb. I don't know if you heard Deb, uh, but um, she, was, she was talking about legal rights. So, on the cross of Calvary, um, Jesus overcame hell, death, and the grave. He was the victor. The Bible says that he made a public spectacle out of the devil. Um, he was defeated on the cross of Calvary. We do not fight for victory. We fight from a place of victory. Do you understand that? He's, been, he's a defeated foe. The only power that the devil has in our life is what we surrender to him. He must have a legal right. God is, is a, is a um, you, you see all kinds of legal terms when it comes to God judge. Um, there's all kinds of courtroom terms you see throughout the scripture. He, 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 has, he has made himself uh, bound to his word. There are promises. Do, do you see it? That's why when we hold a promise up to him and say, but you said this, he's a promise-keeping God. But, but the enemy has no power in our life except what he can get legally. He has to have a legal right. When we were talking about word curses last week, do you remember that? A curse undeserved has no place to land. It won't land. 
I was talking to somebody about a word curse that they were worried they had spoken over somebody. And, and, and remember I said with, with Jacob and, and Rachel, the only reason that worked in Rachel's life is because there was a legal right. She had stolen those idols and did not come clean about it. She kept that secret, did not confess it. So there was a legal right. The enemy has to have a legal right. This is why, oh, and I'm going to get off on a rabbit trail here, but this is why people who say, I don't need to confess my sin, that I am saved by grace, I'm covered by grace, God loves me, he forgives me. Yes, he does, absolutely 100%. But by, by that sin in your life, that lack of confession, you've now given place to the devil. You, you've given him a legal access to your life. Do you see it? And, and so, um, gossip. Let's talk about that. Mm. Uh, the enemy is an accuser. So, he is constantly, the Bible says that he is accusing, he's in the throne accusing 24-7. He, he, he's looking for a reason to go to the judge and say, guilty, she's guilty, she's guilty, accusing. And, and, and so when you say through confession, Lord, I'm guilty, I did this, 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 and this, you cancel his legal right. Do you see it? And, and so gossip is a big one. Because accuser, who are you? When you gossip, you accuse somebody. You're, you're, you're partnering with the accuser. And so he goes before God and said, God, do you hear that? Do you hear? She did this. She said this. And now he's got a legal right to accuse us before the Father. But when we had, through confession, agreed with God about calling sin, sin, the enemy has no grounds to accuse us. The Bible talks about don't give place to the devil. You've heard me teach on this many times. The word place is topos, is where we get our word topography. It means... Um, it means a geographical location in your life. The enemy has no power. He has no access to your life. You are, if you're a blood-bought child of the king, you're sealed for the day of redemption. He can't get at you. But you can give him a place, an occasion to act in your life through your sin, and through a door. I started talking about, thank you for this, by the way, Deb. I started talking about a gatekeeper, um, how that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I never finished that thought. It means to be a gatekeeper. And, and a gatekeeper judged, uh, the Bible, in Bible times, cities were protected by walls. And the enemy would go around these walls because he could only, an enemy could only get into a city to take it down one of two ways. He had to go through the gates legally because there were gatekeepers that kept watch over the gates. Or he could go survey the walls and he could look for a breach. And when he found a breach or a weakness, he would push that breach in and, and sneak in through the wall through a breach. That's why the Bible talks about Jesus being the repairer of the breach. Are you with me? And so he looks for weaknesses in your life to get in and take down your city. But he also can get in legally through the gates. That's why as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. He's a gatekeeper, to be a gatekeeper. So what I judge worthy of being entering into my life 
gets into my life. I give place to the devil through that. So if I say pornography is worthy uh, of, uh, of being able to enter in my eye gates, and I look at it and it enters my eye gates, I have now given place to the enemy to bring down my city. Do you see it? If I say, let's give me something else that we were gatekeepers. You have eye gates, ear gates, mouth gates, sexual gates, and that's entrance into your city. And we have to watch, that's our mind gate. We have to, to keep watch over these gates to find where the enemy gets entrance to our city. And because he can gain legal access and, 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 and that's where he can have power in our life. Exactly, I'm glad you brought that up, Jeannie. I, I, I was worried um, that I, I wasn't uh, clear about that. I, I know that I said not all sickness is the result of uh, us opening ourselves up to the, the enemy. I do believe that there is, uh, there is uh, um, soul, spirit, connection sometimes. I, I do. I would not say all sickness. I say some. We've opened the door to the enemy. For example, um, I had a lot of skin cancer on my face. They just kept popping up right and left, right and left, right and left. Was it because I was a lifeguard? Maybe. I lost some damage. Yes, possibly. But when we were in prayer one day, I was asking the Lord just about my life, and I felt like he said, I want you to deal with your self-hatred. I, I was full of self-hatred. I look in the mirror and just hate what I saw. And all the skin cancer started popping up on my face. I began to repent of self-hatred and do some work uh, about self-hatred, and all my skin cancer went away. Never, haven't had any since. Um, and so do I believe there was a connection between self-hatred, hating what I saw, because it only came in my face. It's the only place I got it was my face. Um, and so do I believe that my confession, that self-hatred was part of that? I do. I believe there's, a, I believe there's connection with arthritis and anger. I, I'm just going to be honest. I do believe that there is. Um, I believe that you can, you know, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you're thinking, I hate myself, you're, you're, you're coming into agreement with the enemy. Leah, can you think of any other places where that's coming? We talk about this all the time. It's the only reason I'm putting them on the spot. Do you have any? Leah, do you want to share yours? Why don't you share yours? Because you have great. Um, yeah, I just want to get Leslie's permission to do this. But Les, are you okay? Um, Leslie was sexually molested by her grandfather when she was a little girl. And it's something she shares openly. And she struggled with bladder infections all of her life. Um, and we were reading this book about mind-body connections. And it talked about people who had gone through sexual abuse, how their sexual organs can, can really trump, you know, there can be issues with that. And she started to really go through a time of forgiveness and, and just really repenting of hanging on to things, hanging on to anxiety and fear. And she got completely delivered of those bladder infections. She struggled with um, vertigo that was horrendous in her life. And she really began to work through some things with her vertigo. And... over me at a conference that you spoke at and I just believed that I was healed too with the vertigo and she began to declare that 
every time, every time vertigo would start to come back, she'd say, I'm so grateful I'm healed of that in Jesus' name. And she wouldn't receive it into her life. And she got free. And these were things that she was on medication dealing with. Same with restless leg syndrome. All of those things were, were part of a, what, what she believed was a tormenting spirit in her life um, that got in during that time of abuse in her life. Yeah, is that, is that clear? And Leah, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that I, I never had a problem with anxiety in my life, but for a short time I worked at a counseling center and I used to do intakes and I would hear people sharing stories of anxiety and they would come in and they would be anxious. And it was the strangest thing. I just remember I, suddenly I, I would have these feelings and like I felt like anxiety in my chest. I felt like, and I didn't know where this is coming from. I never made the connection. I, I just tell my husband, I don't know why I feel so anxious. I can't get rid of this. And I would pray, I'm not anxious about anything. Um, but I, I didn't believe it. I was like, I'm, I, I literally, I could feel it on my chest. It was so heavy. And I, one day I made the connection. I was doing an intake and this woman was saying that she had, you know, they tell you this is what I'm struggling with, anxiety and fear, fear and anxiety. And I, it just clicked. And I thought, I hear this. It was, it was a lot of people struggle from this, you know. And I was realizing that I had gotten to the point where I realized I was thinking it was normal. Like people well, just deal with this. <laughs> right. It's just normal. People just struggle from this. And, it, and I just accepted it as, okay, this is a normal part of my life now. And I said, I, I'm not receiving this. And I think it was you that said, where... I think you helped me make a connection where it came from, and I just started praying against it. But it took a long time. I had to keep praying over myself and saying, I'm not anxious for anything. I'm not receiving this. I repent from this because it's not something the Lord wants, taking up my headspace. And eventually it went away, but it did come back sometimes, and I had to pray the same way, just trusting that it wasn't a part of something God wanted in my life, and he was the source of the answer to that. And I think even part of it was just being exposed to it all the time and not believing that he was the answer to it, that there were all these other things that could be applied to it. And it's like, no, this is, the Lord is the answer for this. Yeah, very good. I, and again, I'm not saying all sickness is caused by this. That is, please hear me say that. Um, but I do believe there's connection. We have good friends, because Dave and I minister to men who have pornography addictions. Pornography addiction is fed by dopamine, and, and you get high levels of dopamine fix every time you look at, a pornograph at, at any pornography. And so your dopamine levels surge. And we have several uh, friends uh, who are leaders in this, in, uh, you know, uh, sexual, uh, good counselors in sexual addiction who have come down with Parkinson's. Parkinson's is burned out dopamine receptors, and they've all been uh, recovering um, sex addicts. And so, can you get Parkinson's and not? Yes, absolutely, 100%. But in these cases, you have to wonder, was it their sin, their sexual addiction, that caused the burnout of the, the dopamine uh, um, receptors? Who knows? All I'm saying is uh, we just got to mind our mind. I think a lot of people's depression and despair is what you're thinking on, what you've allowed um, to have jurisdiction in your life. Did I see somebody else? Were you going to ask a question? Hi, how are you? Good, Good to see you. you. 
Um, I often will command my body to come back into alignment. Right now, uh, I have a broken tailbone. I am every morning, I say, and I speak to my body in the strong name of Jesus, and I command it to be strengthened and healed in Jesus' name. Every nerve, every fiber, every sinew, I, I, I command my body. I take authority over it, and you have authority, and, and, and feelings lie. Remember that. And, and those are all feelings that are coming up in your body. And so, you know, you walk by faith and not by feelings. And so just, just understand that, that those will come into alignment afterwards. But you continue to exercise that faith in speaking the word. That's a very good question because you're right. You start getting gripped with fear and you feel that in your body. Um, your body gives a reaction to it. Yeah, very good question. Any other questions? Good stuff. I hope that you were blessed. I hope it, it, it was strengthening this, this series. And um, if you have any questions, further questions, um, you know, feel free to email me or, or um, call Leslie and she can get you a, a response. But I'm so glad you're all here. So, Father, I thank you for my friends. Thank you, Lord, that they love you and that they want to know you better. I want to know you better, Lord. Would you get us revelation of who you are, Lord God? Would you draw us even closer? Would you show us the secret things of God? Lord, I want to know the secret things of God, riches stored in secret places. I pray for traveling mercies on the way home, that you would be angels round about each person here, Lord God, um, to keep them, to keep watch over them in all their ways. That you protect them, Lord. I pray for a good night's sleep. I pray for a sound sleep. And I pray that the word of God, which was sown into them tonight, would produce a harvest in their life. In Jesus' name, amen.